Can you hear it? Hello, and welcome to the Waking Up From Work podcast. My name is Dave Swillam. Let's get ready to hustle. Hey, welcome back to the Waking Up From Work podcast. This is Dave Swillam. This is episode seven. Um, we've got a couple more here before we're going to launch. Um, and you guys don't know that because by the time this comes out, we have launched, which is pretty cool. Um, we're coming out from episode six where we talked to CJ Poole from CP Music Contracting. We talked about freelance lifestyle and kind of like the day-to-day of not knowing your income necessarily um, and monetizing your art form and how you find value in that. So we got a lot of good stuff from him. And uh, I'm sure I'll keep you up to date with some of the things that I'm doing with Crawl Space Audio and him. Uh, this week, we have on my very, very good friend, one of my um, um, best men for my wedding. Uh, his name is Greg Scherer. Um, or Gregory Dillon is what he likes to be called. And, um, and he's coming, this is our first one that we're doing remote. So he's coming from, uh, Harlem right now, but he's from, uh, Londonderry, New Hampshire. And we went to school together at Plymouth. Um, tonight we were supposed to have Ryan hanging out in my house with me, but he had some, um, circumstances go down where he was unable to make it out. So this will be more like a real conversation that Greg and I um, have all the time, which is kind of cool because he's kind of in that inner circle. Like you surround yourself with the people that elevate you. He's one of those people that I'll definitely have very candid conversations with and discuss things. Um, when I don't feel that some other people might be able to relate to what I'm thinking or freaking out about, he's, uh, kind of the person, uh, that can understand that. So, um, tonight, You know, we just want to run through Greg's background. He is a indie pop artist. Um, He moved out to New York fairly close right after college, and he's kind of living the grind in the side hustle, growing his uh, brand in the music scene here, Um, but recently hitting some some great capstones in a new management team. He just launched his music video literally the day that we did this podcast, which I don't know if that was planned or if that was circumstance, um, circumcised. Uh, but uh, Greg, do you want to just run the listeners who don't know you through your background, like where you've been at, what you have done to be where you're at, and what you're trying to do, basically, so that they know who you are? Yeah, what's up? Um, <laughs> like the Kool-Aid man? Is that like the Kool-Aid man thing? Is that what they do? <laughs> Well, I mean, if I could greet you guys, you would notice that my, I, I love the peace symbol, but I like both of them inverted against my face. <laughs> you like, like half faces from the magazines that freak me out and make me angry. Yes. My best one ever is by far the Miley Cyrus on the band. Is that the technical Fair. term is half face? What do you call it? I call it a folded face. Just for those who folded do not know. Um, I don't know if people call this an art form. I don't know if. People were doing this before me. I would like to think I'm an originator. This is where you take the eyes and fold it over where the nose would be, creating a noseless face. 
I think Picasso used to do a lot of that in his day. No! Mostly Miley Cyrus <laughs> no. as well, for some reason. Uh, no, Miley Cyrus is a muse for me, because she has actually a beautiful face that becomes, I think, more... Wouldn't you agree, David, that the face becomes more enhanced when the fold happens? Expressions become that, more interesting to me. I think that I become immediately angry at everyone on the planet when I see one of them. Immediately. And I'm, I'm, I'm ready and able to commit violence for no reason. You know, it's an interesting, you know, here's a story of turning violence into mercy. I no, have, no, 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 no. You'll find mercy with this. Tell me your background. <laughs> no, wait, I need to tell you the story first. Oh, no. <laughs> We've got one hour max. Okay, I'm going to tell the story real cars. fast. So my roommate was dating this person and he secretly brought back a um, Sports Illustrated magazine and she found it, got really pissed and left it outside in the trash. And I took all the Sports Illustrated models and I folded their faces for her and I hung them up all over the wall. And I thought it would things better. I was like, this will really cheer her up. It didn't. Um, hey, okay, so I'm going, through my, <laughs> I'm going through my background, right? So happened that it didn't cheer her up. Okay, so check the it facts, made her incredibly Barbara. angry at society. Yeah. Checking the facts, I'm not from Londonderry, New Hampshire, though I did live there for a year. Um, wow. Wind of New We're Hampshire. Off to lies. We are off to lies, Barbara. And <laughs> <laughs> I grew up in Wind of New Hampshire, if anyone knows that area. Bougie, rich, and I was not in that class. But I did go to Plymouth with you. That is a true fact. All right. Um, we're sorting it out. Where should I go from there? I started as musical theater. I didn't really do musical theater in high school. I did one or two shows, but I felt like I could not audition for classical piano, though that may be a better fit for me. I didn't actually train as a pianist. I played piano really well. but So I went in, I ended up auditioning at a million places and only was accepted to Plymouth State University because all the dance calls, I really sucked. Um, and I'm, I'm going to ramble a lot, David, so you do... You, you can signal, signal me faster. Anyways, yep. <laughs> um, I started off as musical theater. I really loved the idea of performing, but I absolutely grew to hate show tunes so fast. I hated like music te uh, musical theater tech week. I, I couldn't stand doing something over and over again like that. Um, maybe I shouldn't be in this profession at all, though, because practice is important. And then I switched over to music tech with my buddy, David. And how many do you think were in our class? Like, like a class of eight, eight maybe. Yeah. Or it started maybe a few more and they, did anyone drop out? Oh, for sure. Let's talk about maybe, those people. Well, I don't know, man. Like, I don't think too many, like in our class dropped out, which is kind of cool. But I think like overall, there's probably a program of like maybe 15 or 20 people and then over yeah, the years like from different grades for sure people dropped out or they changed and yeah i think you were my first music tech friend i can't remember if we knew each other beforehand i i can you remember the first day no. we met um not really man we were in like a lot of classes together and then i think it we just organically kind of started hunging out hang <laughs> hunging hung we, we hanging out <laughs> Hung. I think we were organically started hanging out because of the amount of classes that we had together, and obviously, like we click as people. I would say but, it um, might have. I don't remember like a specific. Day. It must have been musicianship, music theory training. 
Yeah. I mean, that was like definitely like the first time where it was difficult, I guess. That class is difficult. So like we'd hang out. Yeah. I feel like people really bonded over homework. I never had that experience, but we were determined to get through that shit. And it was tough. Um, to go back, I guess I found myself in a music tech world surrounded by music majors for the first time. And I was quite nervous. I, I play all my music, as you know, David, by ear, and I have a very strong ear, but I did not know anything about theory. I did not know anything about computers, software. I didn't know what EQ was. I didn't know what a, like, I guess a microphone I knew, but I didn't know what I was looking at ever. Um, and I mean, we were both on the same trajectory that kind of towards the end, junior and senior year, you, you find yourself in all the, the classes that you really want to be in, like film scoring and, right. um, you know, the recording studio arts. And I, I think that's where you and me first bonded because we had projects that we were both just like right. really trying to kill. And so I, I feel like that's kind of where you and me really started. Our friendship is recording. Yeah, I think you're probably right about that. Like we were running into each other, but like I think both of us were very clearly serious about what we wanted to accomplish. And then some of our colleagues were not so serious or not so like targeted at what they wanted to get out of what they're like what they were doing. And I think that that kind of pushed us together to work on more projects together and get like like very candid feedback. Like I remember like you were always like we we're always very back and forth with like tell me for real, like, what do you think about this mix? What do you think about, um, this, like, you know, tell me more about this. We started going to like all the audio engineer society trips together, probably junior or senior year, you know, don't talk about it. Don't talk about that one thing. It has nothing to do with me listeners. It's not me. It's a third party. There's two crazy stories from that first trip that we will not talk about. (laughs) <laughs> i'll just say Don't. a man in a truck <laughs> you probably won't remember this statement um an 18 wheeler <laughs> does that ring a bell a no. man trying to jaywalk getting smashed <laughs> oh yeah yeah uh, okay yeah that's yeah. new york city is your- people people basically get hit by trucks and then no one helps them so <laughs> you that's and business me were like we did not know what to do we were late for the convention that's dedication. We yeah, dude. Someone got hit by a truck because we were dedicated. We needed to go. Um, no, that's, we did not. Yeah, we should clear that. We're up. the only people that paid attention. Um, going uh, yeah, okay, going back, so I will say, David, you really, over professors, other friends, made I think something what I felt was impossible happen. I was kind of writing songs. I had always been writing songs, but I never knew how to really bring myself to even finishing something. Um, and that's something I did want to talk about with you was like, you know, the ideal, the perfection. Um, that's always been a plague and something that's haunted me, uh, through, through college. Same. I think it's, I think it's indicative of any, I think it's super, super, unfortunately, very, widespread for anything that is in the art oh, yeah. as a profession i mean for me it was tough because one i wanted to write a song and that was tough you know what's a good melody what's a good lyric and how do you actually sit down and finish something and know it's complete and then two my appreciation the the thing that i was most passionate about 
during college was indie pop music and finding different songs on, you know, blogs or SoundCloud and the things those songs would do to me, I can't really explain. I would go driving around, I would be on my bike, I would be listening to this music and thinking, holy effing shit, this is the bee's knees, this is so Gucci, I love everything about pop music, I want to dance my life away, I felt infinite, I could, I don't know, couldn't describe it. So the thought of writing a song that good was the challenge in itself, but actually ever thinking, how do I take a song and get it into a format that I actually am obsessed with? You were the first person that ever recorded with me. We, right. um, I wrote a song with a friend of mine, Melody Matthews, and I remember bringing it to you and not knowing anything about really what to do except for I had the piano down and then I wanted just help with the vocals because that's where I thought was probably the first best step and we busted that out in like what one night right I don't know man I mean like I still listen back to that sometimes and there's so many imperfections in the recording process because we were still so green but the song still like I th- I still think it has an impact even like without the perfection. I remember you brought me, I was at your apartment and you were so sweet. You, in the middle of like, we were drinking beer, girlfriend Meg was there, a bunch of roommates, you stopped and you showed everyone the song. And I was, to be honest, really petrified because in the middle of that listening, I'm thinking I'm going to tear myself to bits and not really want anyone else to hear it. But it was just such a nice, I don't know, move on you where I felt so comfortable with the people around us. And I really felt great when hearing how everyone liked the song. That, for me, really changed things in the sense of there's something greater than your perfection, which is your appreciation for what you did. And that has to come, you know, I think you have to chop off the perfection and start looking at that. And, you know, it's interesting, especially today that I released a music video I can't tell you for how many weeks I've been editing this thing. Which is super If anyone sick. gets a chance, I would be thrilled. Because I, I really think it can vibe with people. Um, the, the, song the song is called name? Alone With You. Um, it's on YouTube. Um, it's on Spotify, iTunes. Uh, it's very indie casual pop with a, a lot of hint of 80s. In yellow. Uh, yes, yellow. I'm wearing a yellow button-down shirt. I have a yellow towel, if you did not notice. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's still something that I deal with, but at the end of the day, I've been getting a lot of support from people who really actually are just reaching out to say they've watched the video five times and, and love it. And Right. Well, I think like a struggle with monetizing any art form or creative function is it's not measured by like it's not it's not you know and not to like take anything away from any other type of business where like there's certainly an art to like how you do it not saying that at all but like something that's very like finite like accounting or um like marketing is almost even creative and that's like an art form to me right but like because it's not as well I guess you can measure it with other things but and rant say like you're accounting there is a finite way to measure how effective you were with with getting things accomplished with what has to happen for tax purposes 
and book purposes and things like that, there's an actual report that breaks down the math to it. With monetizing an art or a creative for a service or business, it can be difficult because it's almost like you're constantly trying to validate what you're doing for a business practice or what you're doing for your entire product to yourself. Um, And it's like a battle of like, if you're always validating it to yourself and you always think that it's not as good as it needs to be, then you don't release it. But validating it against like a consumer base for me that that's the real validation that i'll eventually get for it where i'll actually change my maybe i still won't even change my opinion but maybe i'll actually like think that way whereas like when i'm releasing stuff as a mixing engineer i always think my mixes suck as a mastering engineer i always think my mastering sucks as a artist for my band i always think my songs suck like i still at this point even like moving more professional than i was eight years ago, every single thing that I do, I really don't like it, honestly. And so you have to always fight that, at least for my standpoint, but I think a lot of other people, I'm always fighting. I feel uncomfortable with it and I have to push past that and push it forward because like like what I say in terms of business, the best way to be in business is to be in business. You can't be an artist and validate yourself through what people listen to and respond back to, or you can't be a mixing engineer and respond back to validation from other people from outside views that are non-biased until you release those products. Right? I agree. I love what you do. And I love everything about you. I think endorsement is probably the, the number one, like one thing you need to do. Like you said, if, if, you're, <clears throat> if you're in business, you're in business. I think for me... It's kind of that two-part struggle. I'm sure you can relate to this feeling and probably a lot of listeners out there. You work yourself up. You endorse yourself. Maybe you do actually grow to like what you've done. And then you also have the struggle of, well, what defines success? And it feels like a numbers game now. I'm actually quite proud and very excited to share this video. But it feels quite daunting the moment you look at someone else's profile or someone else's stats or another video's play count. Um, and that can be really troublesome for me in the sense of I'm actually quite uh, depressed from technology this day in yep. the sense of how it ranks everyone. Uh, I am actually looking right now for different forms of therapy against social media. Cause it's funny. I feel like I've been doing a lot of research lately on, well, what can I do about anxiety that stems from social media and you know the number one piece of advice is just get off of it but that's not not always, always possible the case for, for a, a lot business of artists. or an artist for sure no it's way a necessary tool um, you, you can't not use it right and yeah and that makes it really tough you know i go back always to this moment in grade school and it was quite profound i don't remember who you know instilled this practice but on one of our first weeks um, all the teachers gathered a group of maybe like 50, a couple homerooms, and they assigned us numbers that we could not see, and we were to hold them up against our forehead. And it was a number one through five. And if you were a number one, though you didn't know, you were told to, you know, go interact with everyone as you have your number on your head. And if you come across someone with a number one, they don't have you know, any respectability, 
They don't have any coolness. They don't have any likability. You do not need to worry about talking to these people. The people you want to be with are fives. And they kind of let us go off for like 15 minutes, walking around aimlessly. And it was just such an interesting predicament because you can tell right away, or you would think right away, what number you have, you know. You, and it wouldn't require much. It was almost like this luck of the draw, but you would feel like you would have something to offer, but you would go up to someone, for example, I think I had a number two, and people were just walking away from me as if I wasn't important. The people who, you know, maybe didn't have the best personalities or weren't very nice, who had a five, people are going to just, like, you know, flock and still treat them nicely. And I feel like that's kind of this game now with Facebook, with Instagram, with um, Twitter, it's just how many people are following you. What is your number count? That makes you an important person. Right. And one of the things I struggled with as an artist is, you know, I'm starting kind of from the ground up. I don't have many followers. I don't have that many, you know, I don't have a large presence on social media. And I've been working really hard for the, all this content, but it can get really frustrating when you know, is anyone really watching? Is that, is it considered important? Right. Um, and that's something that I've been really struggling with. So I don't know if you have any insight on that. No, I mean, like, I, I would say that, um, like, on a, on, I, on, on a bunch of those points, like, first of all, 100% agree with, like, I think me as a person and, like, my mentality, had I had the option to at least slow down on social media or kill it a long time ago, I would have. Like my wife personally has deleted the app from her phone so that it's harder for her to get to social media. She has to actually go onto a website and it's really difficult. And so it slows it down and it makes it so she really doesn't use it that way. And she's super happy she made that choice. And I simply don't have the option to do that because I have a business, I have a podcast, I have a band, I, I have connections in marketing and things like that that have to happen through that. They have to happen. And if I don't have that in this day and age, it's not acceptable and it's not competitive. So it has to be around. So I can't get rid of it. And so what comes from that is definitely some good things. Like I'm able to use it as a tool and I get things from it. But on the flip side of it, like on a personal level, like mentality wise, like with what you're regarding to, you hit things like you just see all these pictures and these stories and these things that look like someone is doing the most incredible things. Because if you work hard at it, I mean, that's the marketing aspect of it. That's why it's a powerful business tool is you can really frame yourself in any way that you possibly want to, because it's only an instance of time over and over and over again. So you have these people that look like you're like, holy shit, like so-and-so, I can't believe they're doing this like 10 years earlier than me. Like I'm old, I'm not accomplishing it fast enough. I'm not able to do what they're doing. Look at them. They're traveling. They've already have their business. They already have their band is touring. Their band is whatever. You know, all these things that you see as perceptions from it. But what you really don't know is that guy might be working at a fast food joint part time and living off ramen and unhappy with all of it, you know, despite what it perceived that you're you're seeing of them. Or that person really might be easily blurred. Or they might or they really might be that way, but it doesn't make any sense to define yourself off of someone else's life because there's other aspects of your own that are going to be better than some aspects of theirs. There's some of theirs that's better than yours, but it's all 
like full range perspective of like what it is that is supposed to happen, I guess. So, yeah, I think there's healthy perspective in the sense of looking at what you have compared to those who don't. And then there's unhealthy perspective where you're just constantly comparing yourself to someone where you don't know their life, but you're just looking at, you know, one aspect. Um, and that's a really in, an important part right now for me as an artist. I feel that the number one piece of advice that I have been given and trying to instill is do not compare and let go of the outcome. And I think that's been really healthy for me in the sense of why did I do this? It was not for the likes. It was not for how many followers I'm trying to get. It was completely from, you know, feeling good, creating a good vibe, you know, the experiences of sharing this and getting, you know, people to say, I have been listening to this song on repeat. Those just few people made my whole day. Right. And to remind myself, like, that's the real reason I'm doing this is to be an artist. And all of the, I've had a really successful year in the sense of finding management and, you know, putting the pieces together. And none of that has come from any kind of likes or shares or numbers. It's, it's really come from, I'm not like, I don't want to say fate, but maybe from the idea of like not thinking about the outcome and just staying focused on the, the real mission, the real goal, which is to live out my dharma, which is being a songwriter. And every time I put that at the forefront, the things that need to come forward or the things that I am lacking seem to come out of nowhere. And um, I think it's a, a more peaceful way of living. No, I mean, I, I think that like that's been kind of been my mentality to combat it has been like... Like, first of all, I, I truly believe after talking some of the, uh, some of my friends, like, um, like we had Jesse Harless on episode three and like when people make the decision to go after what they want, like for him, for instance, like he had no plan when he was going to be an entrepreneur. He had no, he didn't even have his business idea yet, but he set in a calendar, like this is the day that I'm leaving my job nine to five and I'm just going to be an entrepreneur. And that's not necessarily always the best plan, but for him, it worked out. And what he said about it is like, listen, I went into this with zero plan. And what happens, I feel, with people that 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 declare that they're going after something, right? Like this dream, and they start actually taking actions to pursue it in a real way, life starts giving you things to help you do that. Including and I truly that. believe that where like things do just start happening because you're pursuing it you know like i have some surprises that i'll share with the listeners for like the winter time that i can't talk about now because of some circumstances that i'm at right now but there are just things that open up that all of a sudden allow for the next opportunity to happen because you're pursuing it in a serious way but it has nothing to do with something that you did is your hard work portion of that struggle to allow that to happen so like when i'm looking at someone that might have been already there they're already doing something great like there's still always that little bit of jealousy or that like you know that frustration of not already being there but i think like i try to keep that drive portion of that want and then i also try to stack that with like well based off of where i'm at in my life particularly 
paired with what is about to happen, which I don't even know about yet, but it's going to happen because I'm pursuing this very seriously. The gates are just going to open up. And, you know, I'm definitely not cleaned up from anxiety. Like, there's always definitely stuff that's going down that's making me stressed out or, you know, bad patches of like just some bad things, pitfalls and stuff that happens throughout projects to get me in a bad, bad spot. But, Overall, I don't think that I look at it the same way that I used to maybe like three years ago or whatever for that. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> um, <clears throat> well, quick question for you. Yep. This is very, can I ask you a random question? Yes. Do you ever, okay, so we're both on mics right now. Do you ever find yourself rubbing your mustache on your mic? Never once in my entire life. Okay. Um, <laughs> not not even one time. I've been this whole time. I'm, I'm a little worried. I, I'm like causing some kind of static feedback, <laughs> but I don't think it's picking up. So I will keep doing it. Um, it's interesting because you and me are kind of in the same trajectory. We both graduated at the same time. We've both gone through, I think, a lot of struggles the first two years of college. I yep. mean, not two years of college, the two years after college. I feel like the third year we were starting to figure ourselves out, but this year in particular, something both kind of changed for us in a really great way. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think, yeah, it's really interesting how our, our lives are aligning in that way. Like not to talk too much about it, but it does seem, I don't know. It does seem like now, like some of the benefits of the grind are paying off now where I'm still nowhere near what needs to happen. But like, I definitely see the opportunity now that I didn't see right when I got out of college. It was such an overwhelming idea that wasn't feasible to me. Whereas now I see a plan and I have, I have a vision of what needs to happen and I'm aligning everything with that vision and things are happening in result of that. So I have faith at this point that those things will unfold the way that they need to. Whereas I don't know that I had that three years ago. I always like that question when people ask, like if you could talk to yourself from an earlier age, what you might say. And I, I don't know exactly what I would say, but I have been thinking so much about my past. I got recently um, to go on a trip back to New Hampshire and I drove, um, I had my dad's car for the weekend. He was gone in Florida and I took it and I went back to my, and avoided me. I did avoid you. I was avoiding everyone. I wanted to be alone in isolation as I drove through my town. Alone with you. Alone with me. (laughs) Um, I spent an entire day, my only free day, driving through my old town. And it just brought back so many memories. And and looking back at the kind of kid I was, I actually, I drove to my house and I drove up the driveway and I knocked on the door. It was funny because I saw that people were home, but I rang the doorbell a few times. No one came. It was nice to be at my old house and reflect back as a kid. I probably still struggle with it. I'm sure I do. Um, but I would say really up until last year, it was detrimental, like an anchor on me. This kind of fear and shame of like what I was doing was never good enough, was never... Early enough. Yeah. That's how I am, dude. I'm always like, I'm like, how did I not read books like I do today? How did I not wake up earlier back then? How did I not do this early? Like everything that I 
do to try to like improve myself now? I'm like, why did I not? But do you know, that you earlier? were, you definitely were. Because when I look back at myself, in a sense, I remember the fear that I had, but I also, from an outside person, can see how beautiful and joyous and like loving and compassionate and hardworking I was. You know, I was so afraid, but yet at the same time, I was really going for it, whether or not I truly believed in myself. Um, I really recommend everyone. I just saw this movie by myself. <laughs> I do a lot of things alone, I guess. Um, I went and saw this movie eighth grade and it's not the best film, but it really does bring you back to that time period. Um, and it's interesting because this girl is trying to start a blog series and she has no confidence. And it's like, she, she stumbles, she stutters. She doesn't even really know what she wants to talk about, but she, and she only sees herself as pathetic. And yet at the same time, through the eyes of, you know, the viewer, one feel kind of sorry for her. And then you start to realize that no matter what she's, she's doing it. Um, and I think for me, I was always shy about my work. I never showed anyone. Um, I always, you know, did activities that required solitude. That's something I still like uh, to do. I'm, I'm very um, independent. But when it came to my art, I was never willing to open up to people ever. But I was still working on it. I would spend every day after school um, playing the piano and writing songs. Um, and in high school, I would, instead of go do sports, I would go to the chapel that I knew was unlocked and I would play because it had beautiful acoustics. And um, I would always leave the door like slightly cracked, hoping that someone would maybe hear, but never like would I invite or go play a show live. Right. And even in college, it was, I had a lot of fear performing um, in the sense of showing my own. I was fine playing in a band. That was for you know other people. I was fine being in a, a showcase like for musical theater because it wasn't it wasn't being me. Um, and I guess it comes full circle with this whole single release in the music video because exactly, um, not exactly, but about a year ago, uh, right around this time, I was feeling really depressed about that. I felt like I had been working my ass off, but nothing was coming of it. And I, I knew the reason is because I was really not putting anything out there out of complete fear of failure of, you know, it just not being seen, maybe just not being, you know, not affecting anyone. Um, right. And I had a lot of weird events happen in my life in the winter and into spring. And I decided one night while walking home that, Things were going to be okay on my own. Um, and I decided, you know, after writing this song Alone With You, which came really quickly to me on a walk home um, at 2 a.m., uh, I was just me in the, the moonlight. And um, I wrote the song in a week and I decided to just upload it. And it wasn't finished in my eyes. I didn't feel, you know, like I wanted to show anyone, but I did it anyways. And the following morning, I woke up with a message saying, hi, this is, you know, Joseph, and are you being managed? And it was just a really short message, but I had never gotten anything like that. I thought it was spam, because on SoundCloud, I'm not sure if anyone uses that. Not many people actually use it as like an instant messenger. Um, 
it was really bizarre. I ended up following up on the lead, and this person is now my management in London. Um, it's crazy how that works out, but it was, I think, the first real big act of strength to just let it go, like let it out there. And uh, a theme in this movie, eighth grade, that I just saw is she keeps doing that. Like she doesn't exactly believe in herself, but she says, you know, confidence comes from faking it. And I know that's such a cliche idea that you fake it till you make it. But I think acts of like courageous um, putting yourself out there for what you want to do do build up, and it does become something. Yeah. Yeah. Like I have, um, a, like a, a really great business mentor of mine, um, that came from my sales position and he used to always say perception is reality. So the way that people perceive you for them, that is their reality. If you look a certain way to them, um, that is what you are because that's the word from them and everyone that they talk to you is now perceived that you're that way. So I mean, I guess a big thing for me, like in terms of having this episode was to just talk to the listeners directly um, because I really started this podcast when I like kind of like freaked out at myself and I was like, no one else is doing this. Like no one else is trying to do this. You know, it's not possible and it's not realistic and just like all this ridiculousness. And then uh, just like looking back at it and being like, what are you talking about? There's so many people out there hustling every single day trying to do this stuff all over the place so this is really like a big communication to them this is the kind of talks that greg and i have kind of over the phone to just like let it out being like dude i fucking have worked my ass off for the past five days in a row putting in 15 hour days and i feel like no one in the world has paid attention to anything that i put out for content why am i doing this why don't i just work whatever it is that i'm working and just bail on this and it's just important to know that this is part of it. This is absolutely a big part of a, like an objection that you have to get past to be able to get what you want out of it. And B like just in like the, the grit in it, like you need to feel this pressure, I think to raise to the occasion of what needs to happen for it. So like these feelings of, you know, I can't put this out. I can't start this business. I can't do these things. All these all these thoughts that you give to yourself, you're giving to yourself and they're not necessarily a perception of someone else. Their perception of you could be that you're the best audio engineer in the entire world or that you're the best indie pop artist in the entire world. But you say that you can't release a record because it's not good enough or you say that you can't release a recording because it's not the best quality. And I'm never saying to just put out bad quality and just expect good results. But if you're if you're not getting feedback um, and getting a feedback cycle that's quicker than waiting for months past a project to get something from someone else back to you to get that validation or to get that feedback or to get whatever it is that you need to get to the next step, then you're not airing out what needs to be aired out to be more successful. Yeah. I think. As soon as I was able to give that portion up, then I felt more confident in proceeding forward but not until that life. point you know it's it's hard to realize that what you're doing is actually only one pedal of your entire existence and it's just it's sometimes hard because we literally would die for what we do um we run ourselves to the ground for it and yet 
it's only one little part of you know this life that we're living and so it's my mom tries to remind me that it's it's okay that you're struggling like that's that's part of it that's the reason why you're here is to learn and grow from all of this i i think another thing that right and i'm sorry if i'm rambling i probably sound like a moron sometimes and i'm not as No, no, there's totally a lot of rambling. Um, this one's a really gushy episode, so it's kind of bound to happen. I, I think the other best advice I've ever been given is just to be more and more and more and more and more yourself as much as you possibly can. I think there is a lot about me personally that grew up hiding who I was and hiding um, what I thought might be the real me and thinking, you know, that's not what people want. And the more this past couple of years living in New York city, I, I would say this, if anyone is ever considering to live in New York city, do it. It will make you realize who the hell you are because everyone is living their realest self. And I think there's an energy about it that is very comforting to strip any of the kind of layers or clothing that you really felt might have been put on you from expectations. Um, and that was really healthy. For I did want to, I did want to talk about this is honestly like the back half topic of this episode. Like I wanted to talk about definitely like your discomforts or like perception in the way that it affects you releasing and moving forward. And I think we covered a lot of that, but I did want to talk about like a lot of our listeners and some of the, like the other episodes in the past, we've talked about how like, I don't necessarily think that you have to move to New York City or LA or, you know, some of these, these, your Nashville for music or things like that. I don't think that you have to move to those necessarily because you look at like all these perspectives of like big fish, small pond. Like if you move to some of these hubs, you can for sure find work, but you're battling other people. Whereas if you're living in some of these smaller towns, obviously it can't be rural to a point depending on what you're trying to do. But then you're battling less people, but then you have less movement to be able to use to your your nature. So like I've kind of talked in my past, like, you know, about those differences. Um, but at the same time, I wanted to talk about like what it is that that drew you there. And then like for some listeners, does it make sense, like you're saying, like to move from a New Hampshire, like very rural, very, you know, spread out and chill to a New York City is a night and day difference. Like What's your what's your thoughts and perceptions of like who should and shouldn't move out? What it's like when you move from a place like that to a place like that with no previous experience and the adaptation of that and what your brand is like? Talk, let's talk about it. Ratchet. <laughs> In our own ratchet. No. Um. So here's the thing. I really think oh that if you are doing anything in this world and you're comfortable. Feel free to make a change to get uncomfortable. If you are uncomfortable, feel free to do anything to get yourself comfortable. For me, yes. I moved immediately to New York. I grew up in New Hampshire my whole life. I went to college in New Hampshire. And for one, it was very comfortable. I actually was obsessed with college. I'd never wanted to leave. I loved the mountains. I loved the nature aspect. But there was something very uncomfortable for me. Um, 
and that was maybe my sexuality. I grew up in a, you know, an area that wasn't very diverse and didn't have any kind of LGBT culture. Um, it had some when I went to college, but that was something I struggled with feeling that I had finally realized who I was and I didn't see anyone around me that I really felt I could relate to. So there was an aspect of New York that called to me because it had that. It had this kind of raunchiness, this, you know, open-ended, like, I'm going to do me, you do you. Like, and I was just so kind of, I felt stalled on the sense of who am I? Now I finally know who I am in college or at least a, a portion. And now I want to go experience like, well, what is it like to be around other people like me? Um, and I think that's important because, and I'm not just speaking for the LGBT community. I, I really feel like any person can find their niche in New York or may, maybe any city, but I think New York is a very special place for that. And I think that's maybe what drove me there. Um, it's a really yeah. tough city. I feel like it definitely has that love hate relationship. No bullshit in New York, man. You'll get hit I mean, by a truck. <laughs> you, you'll get hit by a truck and then be left there by other people that are just going to work and find that going to work is more important than helping someone that literally got hit yeah, by a truck. You, you know, I feel like that happened. Just to give the whole story in short, because we've hinted at it so many times, Greg and I saw New York when we were in juniors in college. We went there for an audio convention, and that was probably like, I've been to New York, but like I was like, oh, sick, Times Square. Like I didn't really see like the back streets of it, and we were walking in the morning, and a guy got hit by a truck in the street, and almost everyone on the sidewalk just continued to walk while someone's literally dying. And some people eventually got out to my him. coffee's getting cold. We I can't not. We were kind of part of the problem because we were so in shock of like that being real life and not like Grand Theft Auto or something. Uh, but that's that's New York is it's, not like terrible it's, it's no bullshit. It's all business. And there's a lot of places like that. And there's a good part of that. Is, but that's also the other half of it. It's like it's it's for we real. Sound like, like kids <laughs> that take pictures of, of dead squirrels. Like that's the kind of perception we're about. Oh God, hit! I have no photos of dead animals. It was absolutely brutal. But go on, New York. Yeah. um, One thing I do want, David, when you do come, I really want to take you out voguing because I feel like that's where people really get off their death drops and whacking. Um, I don't know what most of that meant and i don't know if it's a slang term you know what voguing is you definitely know i mean you know what voguing i don't know is, what right? that is oh really? i have no idea what that is like kitty cat 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 nope. no nope. <laughs> okay well that's gonna have to we'll, we'll don't that edit that out of the I'm, podcast I'm leave that and let everyone know that that's part of you yes kitty cat 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 <laughs> okay cat. I feel I feel um, a awkward uh, Google search. You really don't know what voguing really is. I have no idea what that is, dude. I'm a New Hampshire boy. Okay, well, just to give you a really, really quick spiel, voguing, you know, came out of Harlem and, you know, um, black culture. And I believe it also started with drag culture, to the best of my knowledge. There's something called balls, which would happen um, late at night, two or three in the morning, in secret clubs for LGBT community. And they would have 
runway looks, drag looks, people would dance and um, voguing came out of, you know, striking poses that were similar to the beautiful white models that were um, on the cover of Vogue. So voguing came out of, you know, those poses and being able to strike and hold these poses while moving and dance and drag and heels. And I, that's like, I guess just feel the origin. Okay. If you ever get me like on a Red Bull and three shots of vodka, I'll, I'll demonstrate in a much more sophisticated, sophisticated way. There's potential for that. Um, so I guess like in general, <laughs> like, well, where was that? we were talking about new york and and what york. it did to like elevate you like i think it's also oh, I, I, sorry, I guess I'm, i would I'm say sorry. like just off of that like i preach it all the time is pretty much like knowing where your comfort zone is and knowing what has to be implemented to address it so like if you're so uncomfortable that you know you're uncomfortable from finances where you just can't properly feed and dress and get your car running you know what i mean or if you're uncomfortable so much that you're just like breaking down then you don't have enough comfort in your life that it has to be addressed in a way where you're doing something to introduce enough comfort that you can think properly and plan and be outside of your business or outside of your objective and think of it in a in a planning way but on the other side of that if you're too comfortable if you're too chill with just working whatever it is that's not your main goal and it doesn't align with your vision or you're just too comfortable with waking up and just casually getting to what you're doing and you're not developing and there's just nothing happening with it then you need to introduce discomfort to put you on that edge to drive you to what it is that gets you to do what it is so if moving to new york city all of a sudden the discomfort of compared to like your rural life, your the hustle and bustle, like the grit that you need to like find your place to like keep your spot in line to to make your way to be the first person, the loudest. Like if all of that is the discomfort that you need, then I say move to whatever city that you have to do to just force that to happen. Or if you're in an environment where it's like the environment isn't the discomfort that you need, but it's more so like you need to get to that um you know, that group of people where you're not comfortable talking about things and you're talking about it and you're meeting people or you're not comfortable with going after that job and doing that interview or you're not comfortable with whatever it is, then I think reading your comfort level and knowing what you need to insert to address where that level needs to be at to be successful is like the bottom line for like pretty much any movement that you make for anything like that. Yeah, I I think. think change is healthy. Um, and I don't think you, like you said, I don't think you need to always change up the location to have an adventure. I think there are plenty of risks and changes you can have in your town, in your area. I would always encourage someone to feel like they live in a place where you can find diversity and like-minded people at the same time. And as much as New Hampshire provided me with um, you know, diversity. I was looking for, you know, people similar to me. Right. Um, I even traveling dude to like no other perspectives is, is, has been an amazing experience. Like when I've gone over to Europe or, you know, to the West coast and things like that, like those other perspectives have been super healthy for me. Like even isn't still it living crazy? in New Hampshire. Yeah. I feel like I feel completely changed. You go to a how different, I look at stuff. If you go to a different city, you'll notice like differences. 
If you go to Boston to New York and you notice a difference, if you go to like London or Paris, like, I mean, I was only in Paris for two days, but like, even their baguettes were different than what we have. I'm gluten free and I could eat a baguette in Paris. That's how culture. <laughs> Dang. Um, would you ever move to New York? No, dude, I'm not. Like for me, like as a person, forget business or anything like that. Like I just don't like that lifestyle, dude. I just don't like it. I don't like being in a city more than like two weeks tops. Like I love going to cities, you know, all the time. Yeah, I think I, I, I know cannot, you well enough. You I cannot well. live in that space, dude. Like I need, I need to be able to go outdoors and go disappear. Like in like two weeks from now, like after this podcast is out. I'm going onto an island with no electricity, no running water, two miles off the shore to go camp for like five days. Like uh, Tom Hanks is a wilderness man. I need to. I need that space to be able to get back into like the madness of like my calendar and my schedule of like working like that. That's my hustle and bustle to me. So if I have that hustle and bustle on top of like my commute and like walking in in crowdedness and all that stuff it's like not controlled for me so like the way that i have to live even if i go to like a city like nashville or something like that i'm probably gonna live like 30 minutes out so that i have got a little bit of space that i can breathe and like have people away from me to then get into that madness as an controlled way it's just the way that i am it's just the way that my personality works i get that that's probably the thing i miss most is is space being able to disconnect, like having no one around you. I think New York can be a very lonely city because you need loneliness in order to survive here. There's so many people, there's so many things going on that I find personally the healthiest dose of medicine sometimes is disconnecting from all of it. And you can't always do that. You can't always just get out of the city. So I find that I do a lot of things on my own where I'm trying to like, not be on my phone, like just be in my own thoughts and have yeah. that space. I, I, actually, the whole album that I'm writing is this I- ideal of what it would mean to just completely disconnect from everyone and, and kind of leave. Um, not to like plug my music, but um, the album concept is called Send Me Letters, and it's more of actually like a space journey, um, kind of leaving this idea the civilization, this life, whatever you're trying to disconnect from. And the thought that comes always to my mind is I'm, I'm missing it. Um, and at the same time, you really do, I think, need to leave and, and break off from what you have. It can be overwhelming. My God, can I go camping with you? <laughs> Dude, it's going to be sweet. I'm going to be a wild man out there. I'm just going to be I... swimming in the water, grabbing fish with my mouth. <laughs> I I will have to send you well I'll have to letters. Well, yeah I'll have to write you a letter this story. I remember being petrified. I could not sleep. We would go camping every year up until I was like 13 and I remember around like 10 this man who was a friend of a friend's told us a campfire story called Peanuts Page and it was about this little boy who was like none of this sounds compelling <laughs> i believed every word i believed every word he said it's a murderer um i don't really remember i think it's just about this like 
It was about like a witch in a cave that this boy like stumbled across and like the witch takes him. Um, but I just remember that the boy in the story gets possessed by the witch and then goes out and like takes other children to the witch. And I remember being in a tent and just, oh my God, that doesn't scare you sometimes. Like Blair Witch Project. Um, like if I was in a trailer camping, I think I might be a little bit more okay. I mean, the name of that peanuts something peanuts does not page. does not build up the perception of what you're of how scary it I don't actually know why. sounds. Like you're making it. I just remember, like, I will never forget that name. It's it's quite scary if you think about it, right? No. <laughs> okay, so. <laughs> I want to cap us out here. <laughs> no, we're not um, I done. I, feel like like I, didn't the, think- I always ask the five, the, the same five questions to every one of my guests to just kind of group up the perspectives of all these um, freelancers and entrepreneurs and everything that cool. we have on here. So first question I would ask, and I think we always get part of it throughout our conversation with our guests would be, what is it that made you kind of take the leap and pursue what you wanted in a real way where where you're, everything that you're doing is aligning and getting that to a fruition instead of what you know the other things that you're working on before that basically what what happened to do that um i can attribute i would say for me personally the thing that always seems to bring meaning and direction to my life is god um it's been, you know, I'm, I find myself a spiritual person. And um, throughout my life, I, I think because I've had moments where I felt very secluded to who I was, I, I really did a lot of listening to, you know, the universe. And I've always been pointed in the right direction when I find myself really sitting with it. I don't think there's a single time that I can think of where something significant happened that I could not attribute to um, some kind of higher working life force or energy or miraculous fate, spirit that has been with me along that journey. And I find that, um, yeah, those Mm -hmm. are, that's the reason I keep going on a healthy path, I think I can get sometimes jaded and confused by why I'm doing this all. And then when I really, is that what made you make like the leap to like move New York and pursue being an indie pop artist? Like very seriously. Yeah, I actually think so. Um, the first song I ever written was inspired by, um, I, I don't know if I have time to talk about the story, but the first song I ever written was I was walking home at night from a party in Plymouth after um, I left early. And I was um, kind of just praying. I I like to go on walks and just kind of talk with myself, with the universe. Um, And I I grew up Catholic, so some of those images of like Mother Mary, those those are still really strong in my life. And I do use them as a kind of like a grounding for me. And I came to my door um, and... I was really, really shocked. A, a painting of Mother Mary was left on my door that night, and I wrote my first song um, that uh, that following day. I guess inspired from that. And sometimes I, I wouldn't say my music is at all religious, but I feel like there's been 
moments in my life where I feel that I've been given a gift or I'm, you know, channeling some kind of higher energy. And that's always when I come up with my best work. That's always what gives meaning to what I'm here for. So when I really ask myself what I want to do, I, I think about that. Okay. Um, so like throughout this process, um, at any point, what would you say that like the biggest mistake that you ran into? Like, I know a lot of, um, people we have on that, you know, on this podcast, their outlook on things, like nothing looks like a mistake because of the way that we develop and learn from it afterwards. But if you could say like, there was one big mistake that I wouldn't want someone, one of these listeners trying to follow my path to do, what should they not do? What, what wasn't the right thing for you at that time? Can you use it in a sentence? <laughs> um, <laughs> the biggest mistake I had was, you know, a bully once told me this. Um, he said that I was trying too hard to make people like me. Um, and I think that was something that I was doing and, and can find myself doing it. I think you as a person, you know, inherently should treat people well. But I think you also need to hold yourself at a, you know, a higher pedestal and, and not feel like you need to, that you're lower than anyone and that you need to earn people's, you know, likability. I think that's probably the thing that has led me down um, more drama, more sad. You do you. Hashtag you do you. <laughs> I'm, I think that's very fair, and I think that's very evident uh, from some of the conversation that we've had on this episode. Fuck bullies! <laughs> um, okay, so on the flip side... Are we allowed side, to swear? Are you going to beat those out? Um, we really tried to not uh, when we started this, but then it definitely developed into that, so I think there's going to be a lot of episodes that have that little E next to it on iTunes, but um, that's just part of the real, man. You know, talking that real talk kind of happens. Bullies are poopy. Um, so what is, on the flip side of that entirely, what's the best thing that you've ever, like what's the best idea you've ever come up with or the best decision you've ever made in this process that you think? Mm-hmm. Well, the best, um, I think the best decision I've ever made or have been making is to Find meaning in the work after you create it and not try to think about transcending as an artist beforehand. I think all of my ideas that I've kind of come up with, at least for this album, um, I found so much meaning after they've been complete and I've been able, I think, to lift them up afterwards. And that's, uh, I guess, like, for example, um, Alone With You, is about being alone with yourself. And I didn't really know what I was going to do for the single art. At the same time, I had just ordered these modern chairs on Etsy and I, I got them and I, I found out that they were like miniature. Did I ever tell you the story? You know the story, right? And so, yes, yes, you did. Yes. I feel like I can't remember exactly when, but I decided to like use <laughs> these little tiny chairs as my, my album art. Um, it made so much meaning though afterwards because Alone With You is, you know, about this like solitude and emptiness and 
I, I wasn't thinking so much about it. I just thought they were pretty, and I used these chairs with yellow, and I put a butterfly. But looking back, I found all this meaning in in what I had done, and um, that's, I guess, just one little example. I, I felt like it, it was a, a beautiful metaphor for solitude of the as this empty chair filled with um, surrounded by yellow, um, and I think that is the thing that I'm starting to learn is your greatest ideas sometimes um, are more about the the reflection that can happen once you've completed something. Trusting the gut a little bit. The bowels, Yes. Gross. In my, in my case. No. Okay. Um, are these good answers? No, they're not. Okay. I'm getting rid of all of this. <laughs> Feeling they weren't. I'm actually going to cut this episode entirely. <laughs> David, I How's that for self-validation? How's that? <laughs> <laughs> episode seven is going to be like a baseball player or something. It's literally like no one will know who Gregory Dillon is. I'm <laughs> just kidding. All right. Hey, back. Um, so what? Uh, I know that you're a book reader. What is one book that you'd recommend to listeners? who either want to start their own business or they want to be an indie pop artist or like anything. Like I have so many books that I read that just like in that level and that train of thinking, I think are like super beneficial, but what's one book that you'd recommend to like some of our listeners that you think would be beneficial? A beautiful self help book. Oh, I, all of your uh, guests are so good with remembering the author. I'm going to try to Google this really quick. The name of the book is called the great work of your life. Um, I can put it in the show notes, man. It's by, it's by Stephen Cope. Stephen is with a P-H-E-N and Cope is C-O-P-E. Um, have you ever, like, Google search it? It has, like, a, a man in blue with a bow and arrow. Um, I wonder if I can just read, like, a summary or a review. That way. I don't have to no. recall it. No. <laughs> no, it's great. It's actually, um, it's kind of um, a Buddhist meets... Um, modern day figures and this author basically compares um, the idea of dharma which is translated into many things but i guess the primary source is life passion life work like purpose um and goes over a lot of different buddhist teachings and then reflects it into different people throughout you know modern times who struggled with it who um used it to transcend and I found a lot of inspiration from people who, it's interesting to read about names that you know and you know their work, but he really breaks it down in a quite a beautiful way. Cool. Yeah. I mean, in general, I think like I'm a super fan of self-help books and I really hate if anyone, like if you're reading self-help books and anyone ever bashes you and says, why are you reading that crap? Or that's ridiculous. Or, you know, it's not helpful or, or just doesn't have the buy-in for it. Disregard everything that you're, that they're saying, because honestly, like, I think if you're not reading some types of things that like right now I'm, I'm reading, um, the E-Myth Revisited, which is why small businesses fail. And it talks about like the different mental, uh, states inside your own mind. And I just think, there's all all of these books I like at least for me like I try to read like 10 to 20 pages a day those little bits uh even per day 
of books like that and all these like Miracle Morning and all these things that we've mentioned before, they um they make your day to day more effective, at least in my experience, uh, let alone like kind of the bits and pieces that you gather and bring back into yourself um, for like your future projects. So I'm 100% on board on, on those pro- on those books. So I'll, uh, I'll put this in the show notes for it. This one's great for, I would say like the three main points. I mean, of course it goes through different lives of people, but the artist, the author really talks about um, doubt is the, uh, like a huge weakness to have and how to overcome it. Um, it talks about doing things full out, um, embracing failure. Like, I, mean, I, I think those are all things people can relate to, but it, it's beautifully written and it's a quick read. Um, cool. All right. So lastly, like how do people stay in touch with Gregory Dillon? If people want to, like contact you as a person and like ask you questions or listen to your music is, is any of that cool? Like, what do you want people to do to try to try to keep in touch with you after they hear this episode? Don't hook me up. Don't listen to me. I only will accept a carrier pigeon on my window spell and it needs to know the password pet, which is I'm not saying actually. Huh. Oh my God. <laughs> so, 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 uh, just kidding. No, I, I really want to, I want to plug in. Um, it's, I am Gregory Dillon is kind of like the go-to for all of our tags. So Instagram, I am Gregory Dillon. Um, that is how you'll find me on Facebook, YouTube, um, Twitter. Um, I have music on all platforms that you might be able to find, like Spotify, Amazon. And it's only one single. We're kind of releasing one single every two months. I have um, another single coming up called Alien Boyfriend that I'm really excited to release. Everything will change to green and, and UFOs. No more yellow. Yellow. Um, so can, can listeners who are pursuing some of the same things, is it cool if they reach out to you? Completely. No, I, I would love to. I would love that. Cool. Awesome. And I mean, like, uh, I'm always hanging out, uh, at least by phone with Greg. So you'll probably hear bits and pieces like throughout the, the episodes of maybe my contact uh with him so wait uh, are you that's no gonna, you can't wrap it up we need like three more minutes no man i want to tell the up. viewers about a time you entered my trunk without <laughs> do you remember that stop that all right <laughs> so no, i want to thank you guys remember. for listening to the waking up from work podcast um, you can check out the show notes for this episode at wakingupfromwork.com slash episode seven to see some of the links and, uh, you know, write-ups and the book that Greg talked about. Keep up with us at Dave Wake Up on Instagram, facebook.com slash wakingupfromwork, uh, wakingupfromwork.com. Um, and of course, uh, email us uh, podcast at gmail.com. Let us know kind of like what your story is, what you're trying to do, what you want for accountability and and let us into kind of what you're doing to wake up from work because we're here to grow a community, to support each other and get everything um, that we all want. So uh, any review that you can do on iTunes or Stitcher, 
it's going to help other people that are in the same mindset on the same journey on the same track find this and potentially help them hopefully this is helpful if it's not helpful please give me that feedback too in those reviews i want to know what things do you want to hear out of this podcast they're going to keep motivating you on your drive into your non uh wake up from work what what things can we get to you guys that's going to make it so that you know you're getting the information that you need to successfully get what you want out of life um, you know, we, we appreciate you hanging out with us. We've got three more episodes that I'm cooking here, um, before I'm launching this, but by the time you're hearing it, it's launched baby. So I'm, I'm, I'm doing my thing. So, uh, thanks for tuning in and, uh, keep the hustle up. Let's get ready to hustle.